0: Hey, welcome to the Rest is Best podcast, brought to you by Halcyon Sleep. My name is Laura, mother of one and certified paediatric sleep consultant. With a focus on quick, step-by-step actions and advice that you can listen to on the 10-minute walk to the coffee shop, you'll come away from these bite-sized episodes feeling more equipped and ready to get you and your baby a little more rest. Finishing these episodes wanting more amazing sleep advice Download my free 22-page guide, All About Naps, now at www.healthyandsleep.uk. Let's get into today's bite-sized episode. Happy Friday. I am happy because uh, Farley's little nighttime fear sleep regression is over. Hooray! Oh my goodness, we've had five nights now where he's not... Um, kind of done this crazy stalling, crying, scared of the dark, scared of monsters kind of thing um, after dealing with it for probably, I'd say, four or five weeks on and off. There was a few weeks there where it was really consistent. Um, and it was also like in partnership with him being very, very clingy to me and uh, not wanting Elliot at all, my husband, uh, to the point where he was saying, I don't like you, daddy, go away, daddy, like really intense <laughs> feelings of rejection that my husband was dealing with there. Um, but yeah, now that we're on the other side of it, and also um, because I've just released my transitioning to a toddler bed, I thought for today's Biteside side. Bite size episode, it would be cool to talk about how we overcame dealing with those toddler nighttime fears. Um, so, I'm going to give you the perspective from um, a sleep consultant, uh, but also my personal experience uh, with Farley, you know, as I always do. I feel like there's probably more value in that um, sometimes because you just get the real and raw, honest version of it rather than the, you know, what you could do in a professional setting. So let's go back to the beginning. Can you tell us what you do when it's time to go to bed?
1: I have to lay down. Then what? go to sleep. hmm And close your eyes. Close my eyes, I can't see anyone.
2: But that's the point when you're going to sleep, isn't it? Yeah. Do you sleep with the light on?
1: Yeah. No. You don't? Can't sleep in a big light. on. Huh? have to little light on.
2: Huh? Oh, yeah, your night light.
1: Night light.
2: Mm. Why don't you like to sleep in the dark anymore?
1: Because I need not scary anyone.
2: Mm. Are you scared of the dark? Yeah. Why? What's in the dark?
1: It's a monsters.
2: Monsters? Yeah. From where?
1: But big dark. Where are the
2: monsters?
1: Big dark. In the dark. The real one in the wall. The the the, the people and the magical flies.
2: The scare people.
1: Yeah. Oh,
2: there's no monsters, darling. There's no monsters. No. They're not real. No. Sometimes you see silly ones on the TV. They just stay in the TV.
1: Mm, yeah.
0: They don't come to our house. No. So a few, oh, probably two months ago, um, Farley started talking about monsters and referencing the dark and things like that, but it wasn't like um, a proper, like it wasn't a fear as such yet. It was just something that he would occasionally um, talk about. And then... He started referencing it at bedtime when we were – so we'd finished the bedtime routine and then part of our routine is we turn the lights off and at this point in time we weren't using the night light overnight. We just had it on uh, kind of when he went to sleep and then it would come on in the morning with a green light that was kind of like um, it's ready, it's morning time now, you can get up. Um, And he's still in a cot at this stage. So, yeah, we would sit on the little sofa that we've got in his room and have our little cuddle uh, and then he started talking about monsters being in the room and scared of the dark and things like that. So that was kind of the point where we realised that this was a genuine fear before kind of two and a half, maybe two, I would say – you know, 99% of kids don't have the uh, understanding of or can can understand the concept of being genuinely like scared of the dark because there's things, you know, there's a threat in there or anything like that. Um, these kind of fears usually start between two and four um, when their imagination is like blossoming and they begin to kind of um, – you know, take in a lot of things that happen in the day and they can transfer into these nighttime fears. Um, It might be a story that they've heard. It might be something they've seen on TV. Um, You know, I've shared about how at nursery they were reading The Gingerbread Man for the week. That was kind of the theme. All of their activities were centred around The Gingerbread Man and Farley had a nightmare about the old Sly Fox Um, coming down the chimney to eat him, which is like a combination of the gingerbread man story and the three little pigs, which we read at home. So it's like basic, simple things that don't seem scary to us can really play on your toddler's mind. And they might not always voice it um, until they've kind of had a nightmare or until something like that kind of happens. And then sometimes you, you still have to ask lots of questions to kind of get to the bottom of what actually happened um, and what they're scared of. So that's a really important part of the process. But anyway, so some of the symptoms that we started seeing when Farley developed this fear of the dark and this fear of kind of monsters coming to get him or being in his room um, was just loads and loads of stalling at bedtime. So like I'd pop him in the cot, say goodnight, And he'd be like, mommy, no, wait, mommy, no, wait. And then like try and think of some excuse to keep me in the room, Um, which again is quite normal for toddlers. But this was like next level. Like he really, really didn't want me to leave the room. Um, He wasn't crying or like getting upset, um, but I could tell he was just a little bit uncomfortable with me leaving the room. So you know, I would kind of address whatever stalling tactic he was using. So he might say, mummy, one more story. And I'd say, no, we've we've had our stories now. It's time to go to sleep. And then I'd go to leave the room and he'd say, mummy, wait, I need a drink. So I would give him um, one drink and then I'd be like, right, it's bedtime now. And then he'd be like, mummy, no wait, fix the blind. So I'd fix the blind. I was kind of like, you know, leaning into because I knew what was going on so I didn't want to just like you know shut him down so I was leaning into these um requests that he was making but also being quite firm on the boundaries I was setting um so if we'd already had our stories like I, I wouldn't tell another one I'd just explain to him no we've had our stories it's time to go to sleep um so this kind of continued on but I guess it it escalated because when I did leave the room, after like a minute or so, he would start crying and screaming and saying, mommy, mommy, come back, mommy, come back. Um, and so me and my husband talked about what our plan of action was going to be. And I kind of said, you know, because he is genuinely scared, um, we just need to go to him. We need to make sure that he knows that we're always here. We're just downstairs if anything, if he needs anything. So when he started crying, we would literally give it thirty seconds, um, and then we would go back in the room, one of us, and say, "Hey, what's wrong? It's okay. You're safe." And then he wouldn't necessarily uh, say, "I'm scared" or "There is a monster in my room," but he would kind of stop crying and then have another request, like, "Mummy, I need a cuddle," or "Mummy, I need this," or "Mummy, I need that." Um, and so, again, within reason, I would. Um, give him a cuddle or I would, you know, give him another drink or whatever he was kind of asking, but still be really firm with um, those boundaries. So for example, if he asked for a cuddle, I would pick him up and give him a cuddle. But the next thing he would do would say, I want a cuddle on the Zonkey, which is the play sofa that we've got. And I'd say, no, we're having a standing up cuddle, cuddle because we've already had our cuddle on the Zonkey. And then you're going back in your cot and going to go to sleep because it's bedtime. So really like obviously kind and loving but still pretty firm Um, because if you don't do that, it can really just get out of hand and all of a sudden, you know, you're doing all of these things and adding all these extra bits into this routine and it can become a real nightmare to then try and scale back. So I would give him a little cuddle, pop him back in the cot. Um, As I was leaving the room, he would say, Mummy, wait, and I would go back to the cot, give him one more kiss, and then I'd leave the room. If he was crying – I would still leave the room um, and then I would just watch him on the monitor to see what was going on. So sometimes he would start crying before I left the room, but then literally 10 seconds after I'd left the room, he would stop crying and then he would start kind of playing with his toys or things like that. Um, So you've really got to kind of – if you're going to leave the room, you just need to stick with it and leave the room and then make an assessment once you're out, however your toddler is responding. Anyway, so all of this carried on for, in total, I would say about five weeks. It never got to the point where, um, you know, we had to get him out of bed or anything like that. But on average, I would say we were doing probably three checks um, each night before he would then fall asleep. And I think the thing that coincided with all of this was maybe my um, fear that he was, uh, ready to drop his, um, lunchtime nap, which he definitely wasn't and definitely still is nowhere near ready to drop that nap. Um, we've definitely had to shorten it from two hours, um, to 45 minutes to an hour, but he's, he's so not ready to go all day without a sleep, um, so, yeah, we just kind of were like, you know what, we just need to stick with this. As annoying and frustrating as it is when you've just done a whole day of parenting and you haven't had your dinner yet and you <laughs> put your child to bed and sit down to have a nice evening, then having to go upstairs and go into their room and reassure them like three times um, is exhausting. But we just stuck with it because we really, really wanted him to know that we will always be there if he's genuinely scared or if he genuinely needs us. Um, So, yeah, fast forward five weeks and we're now kind of five days into none of this happening, no kind of stalling, no talking of monsters or being scared of the dark or anything like that. And it's been five days now where we've just been able to say goodnight, tell a story, uh, leave the room and then leave him be and he will play with his toys and kind of talk to himself and sing himself off to sleep, um, which has been incredible. So that's kind of my experience as a mum. Now I want to give you some kind of actionable tips from me, the sleep consultant, um, as to what you can do if your toddler starts expressing um, a fear of the dark, a fear of monsters, a fear of anything, having nightmares um, and starts to go through this kind of regression from about two and a half onwards. Um let's talk about some of the symptoms first and then what you can do to tackle it. So some of the symptoms might be, um, loads of stalling at bedtime, seeming a bit uneasy about bedtime when normally they're, they're quite happy to go to bed, um, crying at bedtime, but not really being able to explain why or what they need. Um, If they're able to articulate these fears, then that's great. Then you know exactly, you know, what kind of conversation you can have um, or they might start having nightmares as well. So they're kind of the four main symptoms um, that we would see when your child's developing like a genuine fear of the dark or a genuine um, fear that is kind of cascading into nighttime. Um, Now, what you can do to tackle it. So – the most important thing is that you talk to your child about their fears um, and you try and put their mind at ease. Now, if they've been explicit on um, what it is that they're scared of, for example, like Farley, obviously referencing monsters, that was a real indication for myself and my husband that we probably need to be a lot closer to what he's watching on TV uh, or what he perceives to be a monster whether that's in a book or you know just like in stories that we tell or, or things like or games that we play so that was something that we really kind of stood back and had a look at we we looked at his books and made sure there were no kind of scary ones in there even though you know all of his books are designed for kids if there was If there's one, uh, like there's a Halloween one that we took away just because um, we just don't want to add to any kind of any of this fear, Um, we stopped him. He's obsessed with Halloween, (laughs) which doesn't help, but we've been really, really strict on letting him watch any Halloween-themed shows on tv like um he watches um halloween themed peppa pig halloween themed um mickey mouse so we've been and this show called vampirina which is like about a little baby vampire we've been really strict on letting him watch any of that stuff particularly um after lunchtime nap and into the evenings uh in the mornings yeah okay maybe a little bit but yeah it's just easy it was just easy to kind of cut all that out um and then we kind of talk about the fact that like Elmo is a monster and he loves Elmo and Elmo is a friendly monster. Um, we talk about how sleeping in the dark is relaxing and mommy and daddy are always here and we're always home. Um, we also kind of explain to him that he doesn't have to cry and get upset if all he wants is one of us and, um, So, you know, I just said to him, you don't have to cry. You can just say, mummy, I need you and and mummy will come. And that was really cool because I think, um, you know, as a parent, there's nothing worse than like hearing your child cry, especially if they've had a nightmare or something like that. But he really took that on board and not that we were telling him not to cry because obviously he knows he's allowed to cry if he's upset. Um, But it was similar to when we said, uh in the morning when you wake up you don't have to cry and scream you can just say mommy daddy it's morning time and we will come downstairs and get you um so that was another thing that we did which i think has really helped all of us um because again like when he is genuinely scared he will say mommy daddy i need you i'm scared or he'll say something like that which um you know really helps us understand when to go in and when not to um The other thing we did is we played, uh, we spent time playing in his room in the dark just with his nightlight on and playing like some really um, wholesome games um, like Teddy Bear's Picnic. And, um, you know, he's obsessed with PJ Masks, which is actually really cool because the whole premise of PJ Masks is that it's these three kids that. Um, at night time when the sun goes down and the moon comes up, they become superheroes and they save the world. So that kind of is something that we talk about and he's got, you know, we tell him he's got powers and, um, you know, he's got all of his teddies in his cot that can kind of um, help him if he's scared. Uh, So, yeah, all of that kind of stuff really helps. The teddies in the cot thing, again, is another thing that – has really helped Farley because it, when he was going through this regression, he would specifically ask for all of his teddies to be put like around his head. So he would lay down on the pillow and say, mommy, put my toys around me. So we would literally have all of his stuffed toys, like literally tuck him in with all of his toys around his face, around his head. And I think it just made him feel really safe, like because they were all around him. Um and he doesn't need that anymore, like probably the last two weeks. But when this was like peak anxiety, peak fear, that's that's the kind of thing that he would ask for. So obviously, you know, being two and a half and not needing to follow those kind of safe sleep guides uh, about having a clear cot, he could have as many toys in his cot as he likes. And, uh, you know, we still let him do that. And he likes to play with his toys before he goes to bed and say goodnight to them and tuck them in and all that kind of cute stuff. Um, but yeah, that's really helped with his fears. And then the other thing and the most important thing is just being consistent with your approach. Um, there's nothing worse than saying "Mummy and daddy will always be here, will always come when you are upset and then not following up on that. And I, I get like, you know, sometimes when you're toddler is yelling out to you or you're watching them on the monitor and actually they're just kind of having a moan yeah maybe they don't need you to go in but when they're saying like they've expressed these fears and they're saying mommy I want you I need you or mommy I need a cuddle or daddy please come or they're just crying and you can tell it's because they're genuinely scared it's so important that you're there for them um, and whether that means you go in once, whether that means you go in kind of five times while they're going through this, them knowing that you will always come back and they'll or, that you'll always be there when they need you is the only way they're going to move through this. Um, and it might take a while. Like I said, it's taken us about five, four, five weeks. Um, but that is the that is the biggest gift that you can give them um, is, is coming back. And that doesn't mean you have to go in there and spend hours trying to get them to sleep or sit by the cot or anything like that. But it's just like really knowing your child and understanding what they need in those moments. And I think after two and a half years of being their parent, you're the best person to know, um, how to move through that with them. For example, like we are always very firm when we've set a boundary, And, um, you know, but when we set the boundary, it's already kind of preset with a bit of leeway. So Farley knows that he can always have one more of something. But once we've had the one more, we don't say, okay, another one more and another one more, because then it turns into three more. And that is just really confusing for him. So, you know there's kind of those boundaries set but within that there is space for him to kind of get what he needs and feel like he has a bit of control and a bit of um you know there's a bit of to and fro and compromise in there um and that has really been the beauty of of you know teaching him that one more really really early on um and really sticking to that as part of our kind of parenting practice and our parenting philosophy and it's meant that he knows that if I say, um, you know, when he's stalling, if I say, okay, you can have one more of this and one more of that, he knows kind of that's it. And if he asks for another one, he doesn't get upset when I say no, because he kind of knows that that's the deal. Some other practical things that you can do is um, limit screen time before bed. I know like the guidelines are like no screens at all before bed for like two hours, but Having a two and a half year old and two working parents and trying to get dinner organized and all that, I just know that that is not realistic. So, what I would say is definitely no screen time in the half an hour leading up before bedtime routine. That should be some time where you can either, you know, spend a bit of time one on one or as a family, or even if they're just playing with their toys. Um, I would definitely put a cap on uh, 30 minutes before bedtime and if they are watching things after dinner or while you're cooking dinner, just again make sure it's really wholesome um, material like bluey or something like that is not going to cause or perpetuate any of these nighttime fears. The other thing you can do is you can get some books that are specifically written to address night fears and fears of the dark and nightmares um, and then the last thing that I'm a huge fan of is getting a night nightlight. Um, and there are loads of different ones that you can get. I'm a really big fan of the Hatch um, nighttime or toddler clock. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, and the Nudie, which is the one that we've got, which is an Australian brand. Um, Both of those you can control from your phone. They've got an app so you can turn the light on and off and you can change the colour. You can also put white noise on or other sounds. Um, And letting them keep that nightlight on all night is, again, something that um, can be really helpful because while they're going through this regression, however long it lasts, they probably will also wake up overnight um, and call out to you. So again, like make sure that you observe on the monitor um, or listen to what type of cry it is. A lot of the time they'll actually still have their eyes closed and they're still asleep. And if you give it a minute or so, then they'll fall back asleep. But if they don't and they're wide awake and they're genuinely scared, then definitely go in there and, and try and resettle them and offer some reassurance. Um, but yeah, having that, that toddler clock or that night light on all night can be really, really helpful. And at this age, We talk a lot about, you know, sleeping in a pitch dark room and all that kind of stuff. But at this age, it really isn't the same. Um, Having a nightlight on is not the same as kind of, you know, having um, your blackout curtains or not having blackout curtains and the sun coming up at 5 a.m. That will kind of cause an early wake. But the nightlight is a completely different ballgame. So you should be okay to have it on all night. Um, and then if your little one wakes up at all, hopefully just having that reassurance of being able to see around them and see their nightlight um, will help them go back to sleep and not be scared. And you can t- you can choose that nightlight together and you can set it up together and play with it and let them turn it on when it's bedtime and, you know, all of those little fun things that just make the whole process um, a little bit nicer. Who sleeps in your bed with you?
1: And they pop in the
2: Puffin and cheese or who else?
1: Oh, come on, All of your toys, don't they? Yeah.
0: Toddlers are hard work. And if you don't have a toddler yet, um, I don't want to be that mum that's like, oh, my God, just wait till they're a toddler. But it is really, really difficult, especially if you've got limited support, if both parents are working full time um, or if you're a single parent. It is really, really tough. So just make sure that you don't put too much pressure on yourself Um, And you just kind of go with the flow whilst trying to put all these boundaries in place because you need to look after yourself as well. Um, And the last thing your toddler needs is a parent who is kind of, you know, exhausted and at the brink and frustrated and overwhelmed with all these sleep challenges. Um, If your toddler is experiencing sleep disruptions, um, you're not alone Insomnia is one of the most common sleep disorders in young young children, and it affects 20 to 30% of children under five. Insomnia sounds like a really like extreme uh, description of a toddler sleep problem, but that is a genuine, um, that's what it's called when your toddler is consistently having resistance to sleep, taking a long time to fall asleep, or having frequent night wakings. Um, and this is the problem that I see mostly you know, in toddlers in the sleep world. Um, And it's really, honestly, it's mainly down to just inconsistent bedtimes or routines or a lack of boundaries when it comes to sleep. And I say only because it is so much easier to tackle this and to get better sleep for you and your toddler than you may think. Um, And the repercussions of having an overtired toddler you know, are much more problematic than it is when you've got a small baby. Um, these kind of sleep problems and lack of um, getting like a full night's sleep and and that kind of thing can result in behavioral issues. It can also perpetuate uh, night nightmares because overtired children are far more likely to have nightmares or night terrors. Um, so it's really, really important that if you're Still having um, toddler sleep problems, that you try and get some support um, and some help, which, you know, I promise will change everything uh, for you and your little one. I obviously um, have a step by step program um, that will teach your 19 month old to four year old how to sleep through the night, feel comfortable falling asleep independently, whether that's in a cot or in a toddler bed. Um, And it's done using a really supportive method of sleep coaching. You can hear more about um, Georgie's experience with using this method on um, a previous episode of The Rest is Best podcast, episode 12, that is. Um, But if you want some more information, just head to www.healthyandsleep.uk And check out my online sleep courses because there is one that is targeted specifically for toddlers. Um, And also, you can grab my transitioning to a toddler bed guide, which will show you step by step how to um, transition your independent um, sleeper. So, if they're already an independent sleeper and they're in a cot, Um, how to transition them to a toddler bed when the time is right. And again, I don't recommend doing this before three unless you absolutely have to. Um, And definitely don't attempt to make this transition around any other big um, life events like welcoming a sibling or moving house or anything like that, Um, because it really is um, a huge change for your toddler. Um, And as we know, some of them are (laughs) a little less adaptable to change than we would like. Um, so yeah, if you want support on that journey, make sure you download my guide now. That's it from me today. I, uh, hope you enjoyed this episode and got some, um, useful tips on how to help your child if they've started expressing a fear of the dark or having nightmares, um, or anything like that. So don't forget to subscribe to the rest is best podcast and please, please, please share it with your mom friends and your dad friends. Um, and give me a rating because it really does help other people find the podcast and will allow me to continue bringing these amazing episodes. Catch
1: you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Go and get subscribed.